Thank you, Judy. We do need to be reminded. For our scripture reading, Proverbs 16, verses 18 and 19. I ask you to stand in our God's honor as I read aloud. Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be lowly in spirit and among the oppressed than to share plunder with a proud. Let's pray. Father, sometimes we forget how quickly life moves and how fast things change and how in just a moment what seems to be so secure can be gone. Your word says that our lives are like a mist or a vapor here for a little while. And then it's over. Father, that's why we need to be right with you. That's why we need to make sure that our lives are in line with you, Lord. Everything else is secondary. But that's what matters. Pray as we take some time tonight to look at an intriguing part of history that we're reminded more or less how it just relates to this fact that we need you. In your name we pray. Amen. There's been a lot of intrigue about the Titanic and the history of the Titanic. And you know, it made me think uh, how quickly things can change when we think everything is so safe. Um, a couple of friends of mine growing up... Uh, one guy that I used to play <clears throat> sports with when I was a, a little boy, I don't know, I'd say little boy, 10 to 14, we had about a dozen boys in my neighborhood area, and we created a sports league with everything that had two or three per- people per team. I mean, we tried everything. We might not have been good at it. Matter of fact, our football field was so short, you had to turn around and come back the other direction, which made it really hard to get by everybody. And one end zone was actually on the street, so it wasn't a good situation either uh, to get tackled. But one of the guys, a friend of mine, was a guy named Gary Parker. He was the best basketball player I ever saw who could play in boots that you painted in. I don't know why he played in boots. But anyway, uh, I remember one day I, I went and I asked Chuck, one of the guys, I said, where's Gary? I didn't know he died in a car wreck the day before. Uh, another friend of mine, Luke Snyder, uh, he ended up a dad earlier than his family would have liked. Had twins. Twins were two years old. He and his wife died in a car wreck. Mom left to raise these two-year-olds, two-year-old twin boys. Boy, life can change in a moment. You don't see it. You can't expect it. And so God says we need to be ready. You know, as I thought of this um, story of the Titanic, this historical story, there uh, years ago before we moved here, actually, we went to a museum and they had an exhibit on the Titanic. And, you know, there was something that hit home to me as we walked through the exhibit. They had actually, you know, 1985, um, they had found the Titanic and they had pulled up um, many of the artifact, artifacts from the Titanic and, and they had taken many of these um, Items of real people, you know, and you saw photographs of these families and you saw some of their belongings. And I guess it just hit home to me. I remember walking through the exhibit and 
it's one thing when you... Sometimes when we look at history and, and, we, and we look at these different events, we forget that there were real people there. There were real families that were involved and um, with real pain. You know, there's all kinds of stories about how the Titanic sank. Because, you know, the, the word in those days was the Titanic was unsinkable. So there must have been some kind of sabotage. There was even one group that claimed there was a mummy on board and it was a curse of the mummy is why it sank but in reality the lesson was they said that it's unsinkable let me tell you something nothing in life is unsinkable everything you think that is untouchable it can be taken away I remember Corey Ten Boom saying she had learned to hold on to what she had with nimble fingers because she never knew when her grip might be wrenched free. And that's the way you have to look at life. This great ship was built. Look, it took two years for nearly 12,000 men to build this incredible vessel. Um, it was built in Belfast, Ireland by White Star Line. And, and it was so luxurious that it was like a <clears throat> five-star hotel lodging that uh, was the best lodging in the world of that day where the very wealthy were on board and, and it was such a beautiful creation and what was forgotten though was no matter what we build if the Lord is not a part of it it's not secure listen to Psalm 127 verse 1 unless the Lord build the house they labor in vain that build it. When the Lord is not the foundation of our lives, our lives are not secure. We think that what we have can never be taken away. Um, <clears throat> I remember, I think it was James Dobson I heard one day, and, and, and he was talking about that, you know, the truth is we all live like in a big bubble. And you never know when the bubble might pop. You never know when there might be a death. You never know when you might lose your job or a family. something happens to a family member or there's a health concern. So you need what can't be taken away, which is the Lord, which is where you can trust. You know, in that day of the Titanic, when it came out, the big news was that, listen to this, this is what was in the papers. God himself... Could not sink this ship. Think about how crazy that is. God himself could not sink this ship. God couldn't change this. God couldn't even do this. There were the technology that day was, you know, it was so far ahead of the there were 15 watertight doors, and there was this idea that it really was the ultimate vessel. And, and there was this type of arrogance of how secure that they were. But we know, and it's interesting, the day it sunk was a Sunday. April 14th, 1912. In the morning, the passengers, the crew, they all came aboard, and the captain actually opened up the Bible, and they had a short worship time. But what they failed to do was a normal safety drill 
where the passengers and the crew would run a safety drill with the lifeboats. I mean, after all, it was cold that that morning, and this was the unsinkable ship. There was no real danger. Many did not even make it up for the worship service, but stayed um, instead in what was a false sense of safety. And you know, it was interesting because throughout that day, there were warnings that there were icebergs up ahead, but the warnings were not heeded. After all, they were on the unsinkable ship. And so they ignored those warnings and headed toward disaster. Now, you know, it's easy to say, looking back, boy, that was dumb. And yet, we have to be careful. I mean, you know, ask yourself the question. If you were on a ship that was said to be unsinkable, would you feel necessary to go to a lifeboat drill? (laughs) Or would you just call it off and stay in a warm bed in the morning? Would we heed the iceberg warnings if we thought that, you know, why, why should we stop doing what we're doing and enjoying ourselves because we're safe? But without Christ, guys, we're never safe. We don't know the moment that we're going to enter eternity. We don't know the exact time that we're no longer going to be here in this present form. We're just one step away. We're just one moment away from meeting our Creator. And we don't know exactly when that moment's going to be. And when we're in comfort, when we're wealthy, we tend to be complacent. Years ago, I I thought to myself, affluence breeds apathy. Man, when things are going good, It's easy for us to just kind of coast along. You know, I love God, and when I need Him, I'll talk to Him. But till I need Him, I'll just kind of, you know, God's my friend and everything. But right now, things are going going good. Listen to James 4.14. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Um, let me read it as, even as it goes on in the warning. He had a group of people who were um, salesmen. and um, They had all these big plans as if they were in real control. He says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. And then as he talks about how short life is, he said, instead, y'all to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. To live as if God doesn't exist is to live a false sense of security. And that's what happened to many on the Titanic. Remember Noah's day, God called Noah to build this great ark as it said that he was about to bring judgment because People did what was right in their own eyes, and they did not heed God's warnings. They did not seek to walk with God. And it was a, it was a terrible day as, as a, God was about to bring forth some consequences, and, and they didn't listen. There was complacency, and there was indifference to sin. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, When people are saying, all is well, everything is quiet and peaceful, then all of a sudden... Disaster will fall upon them. People enjoyed most of that day 
not suspecting what lay ahead. 11.40 that night, everything suddenly changed as the Titanic collided with an iceberg. You know, at first, they thought that um, for years that there was a huge gash. It was speculated that the gash inside of the mighty Titanic had to be at least 300 square feet. But when they finally discovered the wreckage, they found out that it was only 12 square feet. It wasn't a large hole that sunk the Titanic. It was actually a small hole in the great structure. And so often, you know, when we move away from God, it's not these huge, visible, bold sins. But so often, it's a life of erosion. Just slowly moving away. And then we end up where we never intended to be. Because we stop doing those small acts of staying close to God and following Him. James 2 verse 10 says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. it that small hole, it's what sunk the Titanic. And, and actually, guys, it doesn't take some big visible promotional sin to sink our lives, does it? Um, the passengers were reluctant to leave the comfort of that huge ship. You know, it's interesting uh, when the lifeboats were lowered down in the water, most of them were only half full. There were many that didn't even try to come up to the lifeboats because they felt confident that they were in the unsinkable ship. And by the time they realized their predicament, it was too late. They had a rule, women and children first, but there were many ladies who refused to leave without their husbands. And it was a terrible scene as many of them were actually picked up and forced into the boats, torn apart from their families, so women and children left and their husbands were there in the boat because there was a fear there was not room. Sadly enough, there's plenty of room, but people didn't know. Many of the wealthy on board, they refused to leave their valuables, what they thought were their riches. What did that matter? As they would sink to the bottom of that ship with these riches that were so valuable, but you know, like the old saying goes, you know, you don't ever see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. I mean, you don't you don't take those things into eternity or into glory. You know, mind you, the guy that built these larger and bigger barns, and he's described as a fool because those things are temporary. They're not really lasting. You know, it's eleven forty, but then within an hour, there was mass confusion, and there were people were were going crazy because they realized that suddenly the unsinkable ship was sinking and that's where they were trapped and there was no way off. Um, it was a sad time for many. Hundreds and hundreds were left on board and went down where the lifeboats were only half full. One story that's often not told and, and maybe you've heard it's a great story. There was a pastor on board of that ship, John Harper, who had recently been called to Moody Bible Church in Chicago as he was uh, headed to start his pastorate. He was on that ship with his six-year-old daughter. John Harper 
rushed up, put his six-year-old little girl on that lifeboat. And then he began to run up and down the decks. And as he did, um, he shouted, Women, children, and unsaved into the lifeboats. Everywhere he went. Women, children, unsaved into the lifeboats. <laughs> Finally, he ended up in the water as the ship went down. And in those final moments of his life, he swam to everyone that he could see. And he, he shared the gospel. <laughs> it, it was interesting. Um, it says there was one guy. He said, on that night, um, he said, uh, Mr. Harper, he, he, he was, there was wreckage they were clinging to. And he, he, he drifted over near him and he said to him, he said, are you saved? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord? And he said, I'm not. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And the waves pushed him away. And then a short time later, he drifted back. And then Harper spoke to him again and he said, are you saved now? And he said, no, I can honestly say I'm still not saved. And he said again, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And then John Harper disappeared out of his sight. As he went below the water and he drowned. Interestingly enough, in the water that day, there were hundreds, hundreds that drowned. They only managed to pick out of that water six survivors. One of those was John Harper's last convert. As he said, as I saw him go down, I received Jesus Christ into my heart and into my life. 1,517 people died that day. 706 survived. How tragic. With lifeboats half full, there was opportunity. And yet the, the harsh reality, the sight of those that survived were hundreds of corpses still wearing life jackets, frozen to death in the icy waters of the North Atlantic as they were surrounded by icebergs on a ship supposedly that was unsinkable that never was unsinkable. Much of what we think will last forever is just temporary. But what we grasp by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is what lasts forever. What we can cling to forever. Listen, this is from the Living Bible Psalm 49, verses 6 through 12. They trust in their wealth and boast about how rich they are. Yet not one of them, though rich as kings, can ransom his own brother from the penalty of sin. For God's forgiveness does not come that way. For a soul is far too precious to be ransomed by mere earthly wealth. There's not enough of it in all the earth to buy eternal life for just one soul to keep it out of hell. Um, now, some closing thoughts. Uh, basically, we cannot skip the lifeboat drills. Because people are going down all around them. And the lifeboat drills all revolve around the story of hope. Which is Jesus Christ. And you guys know it. It's, it's our marching orders. We have a problem. It's called sin. And as a result of that, we are in desperate need of a Savior. 
to reconcile us and to redeem us. God's love so great, so wonderful, so marvelous that He left the comforts of heaven as He sat upon that great throne and He took on humanity. The incarnation becoming as one of us, yet fully God. And He marched to the cross and He died for those who spat upon Him, those who beat Him, those who rejected Him. That's who He died for. He died for you and He died for me. And the love of God was shown not just at the cross, not just at the tomb, but at the resurrection. Because there's hope. And, and that's the lifeboat drills. And we must never miss those drills. And we must never stray far from the lifeboat drill of eternal life that's in Jesus Christ. And that message must come from us and must flow through us. And, and it comes as we're in the book and as the book becomes a part of our lives and as the message of Jesus permeates us and, and, and just flows through us. And, and we can't skip those lifeboat drills. Satan would have us believe that, you know, what we do now, it's unsinkable. But it's not. There's only one who is unsinkable. There's only one lifeboat that's safe. And that lifeboat is Jesus Christ. You know, I'm sure... The thought in the dark of night, here it is, you know, after midnight, and people are being, or midnight or afterward, being lowered 70 feet in a lifeboat down the icy waters. It had to be frightening. There had to be one sense of, I'm in the unsinkable ship, I'm safe. But here's the key. It's, it, it, it's, it's not just how far you're being lowered into the water, it's who's lowering you. Who's in control of lowering you? Man, if God's there, if God's the one who's lowering you, and if you're in the lifeboat that's safe in Jesus Christ, there's safety. John 20, 31. But these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. We've all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. But there is a place that's safe. And we can't get away from that. That's what the church is about. We're not the only ones to hold this great treasure and truth. We're share it. That's what the church is about. It, it, it's, it's not just a club. It's, it's a mission to, to get that message out. John 3, 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. It's really that simple. The only way to safety is through the Son. The only way to see life and not eternal death is through the Son. Without the Son of God, it says God's wrath remains on Him. And so there's really just two choices. Get in the boat and live, or don't get in the boat and die. And the good news is, there's room in the boat. There's room in the boat. And so our call is say come into the boat. <laughs> For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for a time. Father, to look uh, at a segment of history that certainly ties into life, Lord. Sometimes we think that we're in charge. Sometimes we think we're the captain of our own lives and where we want to set sail is where we're going to set sail and we're going to call the shots. But we're not capable.
We're not able. We don't know what the waters hold. We don't know where the icebergs are. We don't know when we may sink. But we are grateful, Lord, that there is a lifeboat. We are grateful that you have provided a way out, Lord. And I just pray that um, you open hearts right now. I, I don't know, Father, what you want of us, but may we say yes to Jesus, whatever it means. Maybe for the first time to, to say, Jesus, come live in my heart. Give me a new start. Give me a new hope. Um, you're a place of safety. If someone here needs to do that, Lord, may they just bow to you and find safety, Lord. For what matters in life. Because it's the only way father. To find peace with you the living God. And then father. Maybe we've just drifted from you. and You know we've stopped going through the drills. But you don't know when life's going to fall apart. And there's only one drill that matters. And that's Jesus. So I, I just pray father. That you work in our lives. May we do business with you. And may we take you seriously father. Because you're the what matters. We love you. We thank you for a, a time tonight to sing and worship you and to look at your truth. And Father, draw us nearer to you, for you are the place that's safe. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.